Welcome to the Popcorn Talk Network. For the online broadcast network that features movie discussion, news, and interviews, press one. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. In a world where action movies are constantly exploding at the box office, our heroes take on the monumental task of dissecting and analyzing all aspects of action movies to truly understand what it takes to make a great action film. Ben Bateman, Andrew Guy, in a Popcorn Talk Network exclusive, this is Action Movie Anatomy. Boom! What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show! Welcome Ah. to Action Movie Anatomy. Here we are on this lovely Wednesday afternoon for yet another episode of your favorite show, Action Movie Anatomy, on the Popcorn Talk Network, the online broadcast network dedicated to talking movies and all things movie-related. I'm your host, Ben Bateman, joined today. Look at that tie clip. Look at that tie clip. Look at that tie clip by Mr. Andrew Guy. Tie clip in pocket squares. I'm here. I'm here. What's up, everybody? So excited to be here. I can't... I'm, like, embarrassed at how much I loved (laughs) this movie. Like, I loved this movie. Uh, When we were walking out of the theater, I was like, dude, it was... It was fucking awesome. You're like, yeah. like, yeah, no, it was pretty good. I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I loved it. Can't wait to talk about it, guys. Happy to be here. Yeah, this is London Has Fallen. This is the sequel to uh, 2012's Olympus Has Fallen, a sequel that the world demanded. They the world it. wanted to see this movie made. Uh, of course, we have in the room the executive producer of the Popcorn Talk Network, Mr. Stephen Lemieux. What? He's just hanging out. Just, just wanted chilling. To, he just wanted to be up close and personal for this one. He just likes the show. <laughs> oh, you're periscoping live right now? Yeah, with you guys. Beautiful. So Amazing. Us, watch the Masters at work. This, this is, is uh, the most views I've gotten on Periscope right here. Ever. Ever. <laughs> ever, ever in the world. Uh, so, guys, this is Action Movie Anatomy. On the show, we talk about action movies. And those action movies generally adhere to four basic rules after being made after 1981, which is not even really a rule. It's just like kind of like a general barometer. It just for, happens with these movies. Yeah, we yeah. might do like a Dirty Harry movie at some point or something. But, I mean, pretty much we stick with after 81. But rule number one is the hero always plays by their own rules. Rule number two, the hero and the villain are always the smartest people, beings, things, dinosaurs, mutants, whatever in the room. Rule number three, the hero, the movie is always driven by a police, military, political, or mercenary figure, so when we say political, it means they could either be the man or work for the man, so maybe they are a MTA officer in the movie taking a pill in one, two, three, who knows? Maybe just that, or that's the only one ever. <laughs> I changed the rules for that movie. We, specifically for <laughs> that one movie. And lastly, of course, there's at least one explosion, uh, CGI or real, and I don't know that there are any real explosions in this movie. There's no. not real anything in this movie. Everything's <laughs> CG. <laughs> it's just CG. Uh, there, there are real explosions in this movie, though. Yeah, absolutely. We have, we'll They're show practical. some B-roll later, and, uh, and it, it appears to be that way. So. It's not quite the Mad Max level of practical explosions, but uh, it's it's good. It's real good. Not quite the six Oscars level. (laughs) Uh, So anyway, guys, uh, we are on Twitter. We are on YouTube, as you're watching probably right now, or maybe listening. Find us, comment, rate, subscribe. It helps us stay high in the standings and continue to do the show for you guys. If you follow us on Twitter, we're at AMA Podcast, and I personally am at Ben Bateman Media. And I am at Andrew Guy. And that is where we start. We will take you right now into the trailer. London is forward. <laughs> You're moving one side of your mouth more than he does. Yeah. <laughs> you can't move both sides. Gotta have the stroke. Yeah. <laughs> intense. In 2013. Every character in this movie, other than Gerard Butler and Aaron Eckhart, is completely irrelevant to the movie. Oh, completely. <laughs> they didn't need to bring anyone back. It's just a bunch of shots of people in suits sitting in a room looking at a screen. Yeah. Just being like, oh no, London. Except for Angela Bassett. <laughs> Except she's for, the only yeah, one. Yeah, she's good, she's good. Uh, my favorite is that uh, Robert Forster is just in it for, he's, he's billed like as the sixth lead. Uh, yeah. He has like one line, doesn't he? He says what? like one thing. What about Jackie Earl Haley? He has also like, like one why? line. Why are you in this movie? I have a feeling that they cut a lot from this movie, is what I think. Oh, I'm yeah. Because it even felt super... That's it. That's yeah. a bad trailer. That that's, was the first one. Yeah. So there was a longer second trailer that was a little more by the numbers. The the actual attack was pretty sweet. Yeah, yeah, I'll give you that. Like, I enjoyed I, That's the one thing I liked about Olympus and one thing I liked about this movie as well is that you know what's going to happen. Yeah. And, you and like, this is the most... What did they say? This is the most heavily protected event in history yeah, like ever like <laughs> and you're just like alright well how it's impenetrable how yeah. are they going to take London yeah and it's sweet 
Oh but, yeah, there's spoilers in this. By, by the way. In, how are they going to take London by infiltrating every single police officer in all of London without yeah. anybody noticing or asking any the questions? The complete London infrastructure. Interesting. None of the police officers in London are white anymore. Nope. They all look <laughs> Middle Eastern. How did that happen? Do they ever say where they're from? They say where they're hiding, but I don't think they ever say where the Barkawis are from. No, it's like it's, it's like pretty blatantly just like racist. It's just it's racist. Just, just yeah. really general. Like, it was like because three years ago it was like ah oh, the Koreans. All right, there we go. North Korea. North Korea or South Korea, and he's like, we are the unified nation of Korea, or yeah. something like that. <laughs> That's the same guy that had diamonds in his face, I'm pretty sure, in the old Bond movie. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Very good actress. Um, so that is the movie that we are covering today, and as you can tell, we are very excited to talk about it. Yeah. Uh, that's a good one. Uh, so I think we should probably start out with our, with our bit we do called Action Movie Tagline. I like mine this week. Yeah, I'm really happy with mine. I'm back. You're going to laugh. Am I? I'm guaranteeing you're going to laugh at mine. Okay. I'm guaranteeing it. I'm calling the shot right now. Uh, this is the thing we do called Action Movie Tagline, guys. What this is is when Andrew and I were kids, we would go to the video store, and we would, like, search the racks, and we would see all these sweet VHS tapes, and they would have these little quotes on them, you know, a slam-bang action thriller, or a non-stop adrenaline thrill ride, or something like that. Harrison Ford turns into tour de force. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Sometimes on the back of the box, they'd be a little longer, but when we were kids, like, you know, there wasn't the internet, so we didn't just get to see everything online. IMDb didn't even exist yet. Yeah. Most of our knowledge of movies came from these colorful boxes that were like often above our heads in yeah. the video store. So we'd look at all this stuff, and so all of those things just they stuck with us over the years. We decided when we were doing the show, eventually we'd just start doing our own action movie taglines for these movies. And uh, they don't have to be quite as short or quite as uh, <laughs> legitimate or family appropriate. <laughs> um, I think that mine. I think that mine from Olympus m- might have been my finest work. Right. Well, yours from Olympus was. Uh, Die Hard fucks the White House. That was in this too, in so many words. Okay, yeah, right. Yeah, it was very good. Um, but uh, I like mine today. But I'm gonna have you go first. If you say Die Hard fucks London, I'm gonna hit you in the face. I thought about it. <laughs> I thought about it. I wrote it down and then I crossed it out. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Remember Mike Banning, the guy that single-handedly saved the world. Well, he's back, and he's fucking thirsty <laughs> for terrorist blood. <laughs> That was good. It's good. You went full jertard ger- for a second. Ger- jertard? <laughs> you just like... Yeah, that was good. I, I'm actually like impressed. You actually made me want to do that because in the movie when he said that, like two days later, you're like, why did he even say I'm that? I'm thirsty as fuck? Yeah, I'm thirsty as fuck. I think that might be my favorite line in the whole it's movie. It's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. It's, I think... I, I have like two that I wrote down for favorite line and that's definitely on the I list. I feel like the other one's got to be the same as mine. What are you made out of? Is it that one? No, okay, I, mean, I like that line a lot. But right. I, Thirsty as Fuck is probably my favorite it's line a good in the movie. One. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, here we go. Pick up the phone because London's calling. But the clash will look like MC Hammer after this violent bloodbath. Stop. Banning time. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. No, <laughs> we're good. No, it was good. I like. I don't know where the mix a lot came. I mean, not mix a lot. Where, where did MC Hammer come in? Stop banning time. Well, I understand the reference. I just wanted to say stop banning time, and I had to find a way to get there. <laughs> it was good. Yeah. It was very good. Pretty proud of that one. Uh, so the next thing we do on the show, I think what's happening right now. We just now, lost all of our viewers. For anybody who's watching or wondering what the, what the hell is happening, the EP of our show, Stephen, is sitting in the room watching. I don't know if he's watched an episode since we started doing this it's show. It's been a long, it's long been time. A while. I've been watching. I've been up with you guys. The but level like in of, the room. The level of laughter right now is just like what has happened over right. the last year of this show. Uh, all right, so the next thing we it's do here is... evolved. <laughs> this is thesis statement. So what we do here is we, we take a bold idea, something big, something kind of rooted in hyperbole. This is the best this. This is the first this. The greatest example of X. And uh, we share that about the movie. We kind of try to sort of back this up throughout the episode. Uh, should have sort of a strong strong identity. And so this is a weird one because it's not a good movie. Right. Um, well, so. <laughs> in Ben's opinion. Uh, but uh, it's it's an interesting movie. It is to say the least. Okay, yeah. I'm going to go first okay. then. Um Mine is is that this movie has one of the realest, most heartfelt moments that is completely surrounded by <laughs> shit for an hour and 27 of the other minutes. When Angela Bassett dies, I was sitting there, and I was like, I almost teared up. I was like, if I cry right now, I, I'm going to be so embarrassed. Like, I need to keep it together. We were sitting right next to each other in the theater. I was like, if he sees me tear up in this part, 
got to keep it together, man. You got to keep it together. But there was something about it that was beautiful. It was so, it was actually really well acted. We're watching like banning hit shit. And I'm like punching Andrew in the leg. I'm giving like literal fist pumps. I'm like fuck yeah. He's just I'm like, like oh my god. Did you see that moment with Angela Bassett? I need to call my mom or my sister or my other sister or my other sister. Um, but that's mine. Is that it's just. Like it's almost it's like the equivalent of the speech in Independence Day. Right, right, yeah. It's but so this out is of like place. A, yeah. The Angela Bassett scene was good. It was I agree. Very good. Yeah, yeah. You knew she was gonna die though. She right? was, you know. I mean, you said that she, almost. Oh, it was the god godmother moment. She's like, I'll do it, Mike. I'll be the kid's godmother. And I look over You're at like, you, and I was just like, like, dead. Yeah. <laughs> we we got a uh, we got a t- uh, one of your taglines in the chat. Oh, okay. do we? By uh, Raider Football. In the greatest heist movie of 2016, Mike Banning steals all of the special effects budget, creating the worst-looking $100 million action movie, London Has Fallen. (laughs) The best worst use of Morgan Freeman. It is probably the best worst use of Morgan Freeman. He's like, at this point, he's reaching the Pacino Nicholson level of caricature, like where he right. just like only plays like versions of himself. Uh, the Waze app doing his voice was yeah. actually promo for this movie. Yeah, That's yeah. why he did it. I had no idea. And I think uh, one of our buddies, Alex, was driving like through Northern California, and he was like, it was the most beautiful ride I've ever been on. Yeah. <laughs> Morgan Freeman, that's, that's pretty good. Please, tank on left. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The one thing I will say about about Banning, uh, I thought when he was going to say the worst looking, um, I, I've heard Banning parties really hard. Uh, Gerard does. I've heard that he's a he's, big party guy. Yeah. And he definitely looks since like since 2012 when they filmed the last one that he's drank a lot because yeah. he, he doesn't look bad. He just looks like significantly older after three years. Like he doesn't, I, I don't know. I was just like, how did you? He kind of looks hung over throughout the whole yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. His face looks a little puffy throughout yeah. filming. Uh, when he's I, still shredded. So you know that it's not, yeah. it's drinking. It's got to be. Yeah. It's got to be drinking. You and I know very well what drinking does. <laughs> yeah, it has to be. I, was, I found that surprising. But uh, so my thesis statement has to do with something we talk about on here a lot, which is the sort of transition over the last decade from theatrical big budget films only coming out in theaters, having so sort of full TV promo packages, billboards. We were all very aware of these movies and which of the big ones were mm-hmm. to this point we're at now where it's really hard to tell what sort of a, an important movie is anymore because so many of them are straight to Redbox so many of them are straight to Netflix right. There's all, the, the financiers come from all these different places now I mean I think a great example of that is Beast of No Nation for me like right. I'd seen it on Netflix I was like oh I like Idris Elba whatever and then all yeah. of a sudden just huge huge no, uh, uh, recognition from the Academy yeah you know? and it's like a very very legitimate movie and so this movie to me is the most upfront example I can remember since maybe I was 10 years old, of a film feeling like it shouldn't be in theaters, but it is in theaters. Yeah. It, I, like, I understand where you're coming from. Like, I wouldn't want to... I loved watching this in theaters. Like, okay, don't get me wrong. Because when I say it's a bad movie, like, it's a bad movie in the sense that it's not, like, a movie I would give a 90%. It's like, right. this is a very entertaining movie. I enjoyed the shit out of this movie. Uh-huh. Uh, but my point is, like, I'm watching this and I'm just thinking to myself, like, who's, whose idea was this to make this, to spend 60 mil and... and, and put the money behind this to advertise this because this movie was heavily advertised yeah like i think about movies from the last few years that come out that have major major stars in them where the advertising is just kind of like okay that movie out of the furnace remember that movie yeah what about the movie that you just saw uh the the new coen brothers movie uh coen brothers movie. uh with channing tatum oh yeah yeah absolutely it was so oddly advertised and so lightly advertised Hail Caesar Hail Caesar a movie with yeah. George Clooney directed by the Coen Brothers and it was like the advertising on the movie was almost exclusively YouTube it was like I saw a bunch of YouTube ads for it for two weeks and mm-hmm. then it was in theaters and now it's gone and it's just crazy like the it's not just like one linear idea how to advertise a movie anymore and to me this movie is such a relic of the past it's like we're just gonna put some stars in this movie we're gonna throw a trashy script blow a bunch of stuff up spend a ton of money advertising it put it out there and it'll be just fine and like right. watching it you're just like this isn't the way the world works anymore. Like, this is going to lose money. This is not... Nobody wants to see this. Like, there's too many movies out there. Do you think that they tried to push a $100 budget and the studio was like, no, it's not going to make $100 million. It's going to make... Or it'll make $100 million and we'll still make 40 off of it. But I, if it was a $100 million budget, they'd be like, nah, this is a loss. I could be wrong because the international receipts uh, on Olympus were pretty big. Like, yeah. It made quite a bit of money overseas. In fact, I think it made more money overseas. Uh, and maybe the same they thing. They just wanted will, to see that happen to America. Maybe. I mean, maybe the same thing will happen on this one. It, it could be. But my, my, if I, my gut feeling is that this movie opened at 23, which we'll get to a little later, on a $60 million budget versus the first film costing 70 and opening at 30. I think this movie drops off significantly, and if it's lucky, breaks even. Yeah. I, I, I mean, just don't d- see it. You're talking domestically. 
I just I, I'm thinking it might just barely break even worldwide. Really? I got one more. I got one more tagline. I okay, like it. Okay. It's from Greg. Greg. Uh, Greg Castillo. London Bridge is falling down, but one agent will be there to catch it. Okay. It really, that actually would be on the box. Simple. For London yeah. has fallen back yeah. in when we were in the video store. That's good. Um, I like it. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, all right, so the next bit of our show here is something we call Fist Pump Moment. Uh, fist Pump Moment is a thing we've been doing since the very beginning of the show, I think. I think this was one of the yeah, first like gimmicks the, we came very up with. Very exciting. Uh, and this is this thing that we, we do. It's like that moment when you're watching a movie and something happens, and you just kind of look around. You're like, is anyone else seeing this right now? If you're watching the movie by yourself especially, you click pause, you call your buddy, and you're like, you need to watch this scene. Look it up on YouTube right now. Look it up on YouTube right now. Or I'll wait. Ro- I'll wait. Your roommate's like eating like his candlelit dinner in the other room with his girlfriend, and you're like, no, no, get, get over here. You need to see this happen. Shut up, Janine. Yeah, He's yeah, got to see this. He's like, you got to watch this. This is so good. Uh, that's fist pump moment. And uh, we, it can be anything. Fist pump moment can be an explosion, a one-liner. It can be like just like a sweet look from a father to son that's touching. Uh, it can be anything. It can be an MTA operator in the taking of Pelham 1, 2, 3. It will never be that. It will never be that. That movie is my fist pump moment. <laughs> my fist pump moment for London Has Fallen is the taking of Pelham 1, 2, 3. Um, so that is what a fist pump moment is, and this is one of those ones, if you guys have one, you can absolutely share it. Uh, people do like to share it in the comments sometimes, and of course, follow us on Twitter and tweet at us if you would like to share it there. Yeah. Um, I'll go first this time. Okay. I have kind of a humble one. Really? Um, yeah, yeah, and I, I was between two, because the one I have is sort of like this little moment, but I just thought it was really sweet. And it's when they're, when they're running away, they're trying to get to the chopper, and they're in the car, and Butler is like, all the windows are blown out, he's like leaning out of the car shooting, all that stuff happens, and the, the guy on the bike like smashes through, and his head is in the car, and oh. Butler just takes the gun, presses it to the top of the, of the and just took like, the top of the, uh, the biker helmet, and just like, and the guy doesn't even fall out, he yeah. just like stops moving. But I just love that he's like straight to the helmet, yeah. through the helmet. Just doesn't even. So good. Yeah. He, his kills are amazing he has in this some movie. good kills in this one. Another great moment with another biker was when there, it's the same thing. They get yeah. in the window and he holds him and then he like crashes into the, the underpass yeah. to like just hit him off the side. Yeah. Oh, so brutal. 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 Speaking of brutal, my fist pump moment is fucking gnarly. Okay. It's, <laughs> okay, so anytime Mike Banning wants information out of you, he's going to use a really big knife. And it's going to be like, it's going to be like curvy and have like jagged backside. And he's going <laughs> to stab you everywhere that's not going to kill you. Yeah. So right when Eckhart and them get hit by that truck or whatever, yeah. and, and they steal him, and Gerard Butler's left there, he starts just like stabbing the guy in the leg, and then yeah. up higher on the leg, and the thigh, and the side, and the chest, and the arm. He's like, where is he? Where is he? Where is he? Where is he? But I was just watching it, I was like, oh my god, this is so awesome. <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine being like the age we were when we watched Face Off and, and Con Air and those movies, seeing this movie. You would probably think this was the coolest thing you'd ever seen if you oh, were nine like, years old. Absolutely. It would be mind-blowing. Yeah. This is so violent to watch as a child. So violent. This is, a, this is, this is like, but that's like what we did when we were kids. Yeah. Of that level of violence. Yeah, It's definitely absolutely. evolved. You know what? I'm going to put you on the spot here, and I apologize. But oh. I was just thinking about this. So in this recent slew of action heroes, there's the John Wicks, yep. the Jack Reachers, yep. the Brian Millses, sure. which is taken, there's Mike Banning, yeah. and there's Denzel from Equalizer. Okay, you're saying right? like these are like the big ones that we've seen in the last few yeah, years? Yeah, like the, the new throwaway action heroes, like okay. the McLeans and the Riggs of like 2010. Sure. Rank them. Rank Can them? Can you rank them? Oh, man. So we got All right. Wick. All right, so we got Wick. Mills. We got Mills. We got, we got Reacher. <laughs> Reacher, sweet. Banning. And then Equalizer Danzel, because I can't remember his name. And then Ryder from Taking a Pelham 1, 2, 3? No, absolutely not. <laughs> Equalizer Denzel. Uh, you know what? I'll, I'll go first since I just put you on the spot. Okay. I'm going to go. Who's your five? Who's I your wish five? I could remember. Are you counting down? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go fifth. Okay. It, it, it's Equalizer Denzel. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, I'll go. Yeah, I'm going to go Equalizer, Dens. No, yes. No, I'm going Reacher 5. Reacher, okay. So Reacher is my 4. Um, and I'll go Equalizer Denzel as my four. I'll tell you the reason, though. The reason that Equalizer Denzel beats out Reacher for me. And Reacher is super sweet. Like, Reacher, <laughs> is it because he counts the seconds of death? That scene alone in Equalizer is the best scene in the movie. That is true. And that scene is better than anything that happens that, that uh, Cruz does in Reacher. Actually, you know what? And then there's also the one in the diner where Denzel... I just recently saw this on TV. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to switch. I'm going to put Reacher at five and Denzel at four. You're right. Now, Reacher does have a couple scenes going for him that are sweet. Yeah. Um, he has the scene when he beats up all the dudes, Josh Hellman and those other dudes out yep, in the street, yep. and he grabs the one dude's leg and keeps punching him in the nuts. <laughs> and, he's like, uh, which, and he's like, remember, you wanted this. Awesome. <laughs> awesome scene. That's great. And also, uh, when he kicks... Um, 
uh, Jai Courtney's ass in the rain. Yeah. It's a really it's good, a good fight. fight. Yeah. And like the flying knee. He's Cruz is actually kind of surprisingly badass in that scene. Yeah. Uh, and Jack Reacher 2 comes out this year. Yeah. So we'll do Jack Reacher 1. And John Wick 2. Not this year, but it's, is it this year? It might be in the fall. I know Reacher does. Yeah. Wick might be next year. Because they haven't started filming Wick, or maybe they it's have. It's funny because for every single one of these people that I just talked about, we are, they, they got sequels. Yeah. Every single one. Equalizer 2. Everything. People love it. Yeah. Uh, so I go Banning 3. Banning 3. I think I'm going to put... Mills at three. And banning two and Wick one? I think I'm going to put Banning at one. You like Banning number one? He's so awesome. Banning's your one? He's so awesome. <laughs> Wait, Mike, what happens if you don't come back? You're fucked. You're <laughs> fucked. Yeah, exactly. It's just, it's just honest. I'm going to go Banning, Wick, Mills, uh, Equalizer, and then Reacher. The only reason that I have to put Wick at one is because He's Wick's so opening scene in the house is so sweet. Yeah. It's such a good like gun foo, like whatever the whatever you yeah, call that. Yeah, gun foo. Uh, it's so cool that like that scene alone makes Wick and the it's coolest. so much more real than anything that happens in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Like Banning is definitely sweet, and I'll give him three. But I, I don't know. This you put me on the spot. If I had to really think about it, it's possible Banning might actually be five for me. Really? Maybe maybe Equalizer Denzel's five and Reacher's three. Now that I'm thinking about how sweet the Reacher fight in the rain is. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right, we, we digress. We digress. But I wanted. I just wanted. To, I might have to switch banning it in Wick. We, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, right. The fans definitely agree with you on that one. Yeah. Wick's number one. Yeah, he's really cool. He plays. He has the sweetest guns of all these guys too. That's yeah. the other thing. Wick's guns are very cool. <laughs> that always matters. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Let's get into uh, star profiles all and right. like what a weird. Thing. I mean, Butler's hardly been working at all. So his his three previous credits are Olympus Has Fallen, How to Train Your Dragon, two. And Gods of Egypt, which came out the same week as this movie, and did or no, it the came weekend out before, weekend before, and it did horribly. I think it's barely made more money than this movie in two weeks. Gods of Egypt, yeah, yeah, giant, giant fail. Its reviews are horrible. I mean, How to Train Your Dragon two is obviously massive. Everyone loves that. Yep. Everyone loves How to Train Your Dragon. And then before that was just Olympus Has Fallen. Like if I was ever to get like to be like a big famous movie star, like if I just like happened to me on mm-hmm. accident and I had like a couple big hits, like three hundred, a couple. I would skip all the legitimate stuff that, like, all the, all the swings and misses romantic comedies. I would literally just be like, all right, find me a DreamWorks, find me a Pixar, right. find me an animated voice that I can do that is going to be, like, just any of them. And just get me on one of those projects because it will be a hit and it will be a giant money-making credit. <laughs> and I can, and I'll never have to work again. Yeah. There will be a sequel. I'll be in the sequel. Yeah. Like, they're the biggest successful, like, I mean, look at Zootopia. Yeah, it, all of them. I, I know we're going to get into this later, but I'm just going to give you the numbers right now. This mo- this movie opened against Zootopia, and this movie made $21 million. Zootopia made $75 million. Yeah. Just domestically. Just domestic. This weekend. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, like, how many Pixar movies can you name that have been a fail? Almost none. Very little, yeah. Then none of them have been a fail. How many DreamWorks movies? Pretty much none. Right. How, like, these almost impossible. Like, I just, it's kind of mind-blowing. And even that me. new production company uh, that did the Minions movies yeah. and all that, like, they're killing it. Yep, they're always good. So yeah. that's, I think that's the uh, that's the answer. But, uh, yeah, Butler, Gods of Egypt, How to Train Dragon, Olympus Has Fallen. I mean, Butler's career, we talked about this before, he had no formal acting training. So he just sort <laughs> you of... You really can't tell. <laughs> he just sort of happened on these roles. Um, he, you know, I mean, 300 broke him, and then mm-hmm. he just sort of has, like, coasted through these... Uh, terrible movies, a lot of them. The Ugly Truth, yeah. Machine Gun Preacher. We were just talking about Law Abiding Citizen, which I never actually saw. I mean, he's sweetening it like he's sweet in this one, but it's not really a good movie. Gamer. Gamer. <laughs> I did not like that game movie. I didn't see it. Dude, th- this movie has sweet moments of being a video game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like when they went straight into the first person, it was actually done really well. Yeah. And they just released, or they just announced a new movie that's coming out that is going to be like the first 100% perfect like video game movie yeah and I, I'm not gonna tell you what it's called because I can't remember <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah Butler I mean it's funny also he produced he, he was a producer on this film so I'm sure like he took back in on it as a mm-hmm. I'm just guessing there that's, that that's not vi- verified but I would be very surprised if bringing back Butler as the star of the sequel he didn't you know take some points on the back end as opposed to more money up front yeah I'm sure um, but uh, he I mean go get that money man that's how I feel about Gerard Butler it's like dude you just you found like you, <laughs> 300 is the best thing that could have ever happened to you. Yep. I mean, it's like the same thing that happened to Ryan Reynolds when he did Blade all those years ago. It's just like, you get that role. Somebody finds you that role where like you just get super, super jacked. Exactly. You have this you... body. You have a body type that just looks that way. Mm-hmm. If you get, if you look like that, you know, some some people's bodies look good, but they just don't. It doesn't like look great to, on to, film. To do that to your body is almost. It's almost 
impossible. It's so hard to do. It takes so much discipline and work. And then when people see you like that, I mean, even the guy, that, even uh, Taron Edgerton, when we were doing Kingsman last week, which, yeah. go watch that episode, it's awesome. Yeah. Um, he talked about how awesome and great it was to be in that good a shape yeah. and get it on camera. Like that moment when he's swimming away yeah. and thing underwater, he was talking about that specifically. And he's like, that, that's eternal. Yeah. I will always know that I looked that good in film. And that's how it is with Butler. Like, he's not a good actor and he knows he's not a good actor. <laughs> But he's embraced who he is. <laughs> yeah, And totally. I love it. Yeah, completely. He, he owns it. That's what I love about it. That's what I love about Butler. He's not trying to win an Oscar. No. And he's like, I, that's that's why, I like, he was probably, like, the pushing the hardest for the sequel to get made. You know what I mean? <laughs> he's like, let's do it. Now, Eckert is, is in, Eckert's, like, the sad, he's got, like, a very tragic career, in my opinion. Because he was a guy that when Thank You for Smoking came out, mm-hmm. um, and we talked about this a little bit on the Olympus episode, which oh, was yeah, a few weeks ago. Oh, yeah, if you guys haven't seen that, you should go watch it. You and 30,000 other people are just digging. I guess, yeah. like, 25. Yeah, but. it did well. It was nice. It was, it was, a, it was a big big hit for us. But um, we talked about this before. There was a movie, I think it's called In the Company of Men, or if, if it's called something else. But it's from, like, late 90s, early 2000s. And I talked about this before, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like he and like you know he's the handsome guy at the office, and he has the coworker who's like the short guy, balding, glasses. There's a deaf woman who starts working at the office, and they like sort of compete to like win her love. But for Eckert, it's a joke. This other guy falls in love with the deaf woman. Deaf woman falls in love with Eckert. She like won't stay with the short guy. Goes for Eckert. He casts her off. It's extremely dark and depressing. Right. Well acted by. Oh Eckert. yeah, you're saying I'd love this movie. Yeah, it's super yeah. dark. It's super twisted. Um, ends with like the bald guy just like at the door of the deaf woman and she's just like I don't want you here and spoiler alert so 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 sad but um then a few years later was thank you for smoking and from that point it was like right and that's what this is what it, what I said exactly on the Olympus episode was that was when everyone was like Aaron Eckhart's the next George Clooney yeah he's good looking and he's the smartest guy in the room yeah he seemed like he really had it going and so the next few years I mean he gets that part in Dark Knight which was a big one mm-hmm. um you know he's okay in it but like he's just in all these movies that don't do much and then this picture we have up on the screen, I believe, is from my Frankenstein. And he got insanely jacked. Insanely jacked. Yeah, he sh- sh- shredded. Yeah, he stopped drinking he, a long time he ago. He put on a lot of weight. I mean, uh, muscle. Yeah, yeah. He stopped drinking a long time ago. I heard him on the uh, Chris Hardwick podcast. Yeah. And that they were talking about they stopped drinking around the same time, like eight or nine years ago. Wow. Um, but hey, Oh, Donica, can you put up the butler graphic again? I don't know if Ben saw it. It's <laughs> a good one. He's just drunk. <laughs> You can go back. I just wanted to see it. If we ever get to party with Gerard Butler, oh, dude, I will rage with Butler. Yeah, I would go shot for shot with that guy. Like I, I like I don't care how drunk I get. I don't care how hungover. The following I feel the next week, day. it's just Steven sitting in yeah. here with one mic. We lost uh, Ben and Andrew last week. Yeah, yeah, they tried to drink with Gerard Butler. and Look at both him. died. Look at him. <laughs> good. Um, so, so I Frankenstein to me is is one of those things where it's like, all right, man, somebody, somebody in your corner didn't have your back because. What are you doing, doing I Frankenstein? Like not, like not, like not, like you didn't get jacked enough, and like not like you didn't do a good job with it. But just like it, it takes so much for you to win in that situation. You have yeah. to convince so many people to see this movie because it's so uncharacteristic that I don't know. And I think it's it's one of those swing and a miss type of situations where it's just like I wish I, I wish he had gotten better roles over the years because I love Aaron Eckert. Me too. He had a great. He had a, like a, like a that, great. That came out right around the same time as the 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 Lincoln movie, right? The Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, and that movie's awesome. Yeah, that movie's actually really sweet. Uh, and this one, and then there was also you know the Wolfman and stuff. It's so weird with movies that are like that. I Frankenstein, the Wolfman stick out more than any other two. Yeah, where you have Anthony Hopkins, Benicio del Toro, Aaron Eckhart. Yeah, in just a shit movie. Right, where they're trying too hard and reaching too far. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's one of those things that it's not like it's over for him. But I mean, you can even see in this movie, it's like his he's getting to that next level. It's, he's getting to like the level Clooney's at now in terms of age, where it's like yeah. you, you can't quite be the like perpetually thirty eight year old leading man anymore. Did you hear that Clooney re- wants to retire? Yeah, I did hear that. He doesn't want to see himself get old on camera. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, it would make me really sad. Me too. I don't believe he'll come back. I know, I do yeah. absolutely. And then okay, so anyway, anyway, so he does Incarnate next yeah. in twenty fifteen, which is an independent film I know nothing about. Yeah. And then he does My All American. And it, what 
What happened? I think he just needs to take a break. Maybe or something. He's one of those. I think we talked about this before, but Eckhart to me is is the guy <clears throat> where he needs like a hit Netflix series. Yeah. Or like a he needs right, like, like a shameless. Like, yeah, he needs like a premium cable type of series that he's awesome in that he gets a great role that you know takes off and he does three seasons of and then he and then he'll end up in some big director's movie as one right. of the leads again and like kind of you know I think that sort of seems like to be a path that people can take now because there's so much quality content. Mm-hmm. You don't have to just rely on movies. People don't see movies. People just don't see movies unless they have, like, big promotion behind them or get great reviews. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah, tough. It's, it's harder and harder to just sell off star power these days. Yeah, TV seems to be much more approachable for an audience. Yeah. Um, so what I think we're going to do with production development here is because we did this exact, for the most part, these exact same people three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of you that watched the Olympus episode probably are watching this episode. Um, we will touch on them quickly, but I don't think we want to just like rehash all the same stuff again. Sure. Do you want um, um, I can breeze through writers real quick if you'd like. Yeah, yeah absolutely. All right, so Creighton Rothenberger and Katrine Benedict are the two leads on this. They also wrote Olympus Has Fallen. They're a married couple. They've been working together since 2013 and they've been married since uh, 2006. They've also done Expendables 3 and they have two more projects in pre-production. Um, they're cool. You know, yeah. They're going to start writing, directing, and yeah. being married together. That's great. Uh, the other two guys that wrote this movie are uh, Christian Gudegast and Chad St. John. Chad St. John is essentially a nobody. Like right. the, the dude has two other credits. One of them is uh, the Punisher Dirty Laundry. <laughs> what is that, Punisher Dirty Laundry? I have no idea, but I know it's Thomas James. It's James a fan it. film. Okay. Oh. Okay, all right. That makes more sense. Thank God for him. Thank God for Danica. <laughs> and then the other one uh, is he's shooting a new movie that he wrote called Replicas starring a Mr. Keanu Reeves. Ooh. Which I'm excited about that. Love that. That's cool. Uh, and then the other guy, Goody Gast, he has a little bit more on his resume with credits such as A Man Apart and uh, Beyond City Limits. Um, <clears throat> but he's currently only uh, accredited as one of the only two writers on this next Butler project, which is Den of Thieves. Are you? Did you ever watch A Man Apart? Uh, was that the Vin Diesel yeah, one? Yeah, yeah. I think I did, but I I don't remember it. I don't think I watched it. I seem to recall the trailer and thinking, like, I don't want to admit to any of my friends that I kind of want to see this, but <laughs> it looks kind of sweet. Like, because it's just like the trailer starts out, and, like, he's on the phone, and his girlfriend's like, baby, when are you coming home? And he's like, I'll be home soon. And then, like, the house gets broken into, and she gets stolen. And then, like, okay. and I think she's dead or gone, and he has to, like, avenge her and kills everyone. I do love revenge movies. I think he's a cop, maybe, or something like that. I- I'm not really sure. I never watched it, but I always was kind of curious. Oh, you know what? While we're at it, yeah. might as well just, just take care of this for us. So, at AMA Podcast, about a man apart... And about uh, what's that? Denzel and and Ryan or uh, Goss- oh 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 uh, um, uh, safe house safe house. Just tell us about them. Tweet at us or yeah. talk in the live chat. Just what are your opinions on Safe House and A Man Apart? Because Safe House got great reviews and your roommate loved it and made a lot of money. It made a lot of money, so we could cover it on the show because we do love ourselves some Denzel. Oh my gosh! Uh, so yeah, tweet at us about those two movies, please. Um, yeah, Safe House <clears throat> coming up. Uh, we have the next two weeks, I think, plotted out already, but we'll get to that at the end of the show, the pitch. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so, Babak Najafi. Yeah, so Babak Najafi, this is, he, he is literally a replacement-level director. Replacement of a replacement. Yeah, so, so what originally happened is that Antoine Fuqua, who directed the first movie, who, by the way, I want to clarify to everybody who watched like, the episode that we did talking about Fuqua. <laughs> So I've called him a hack before, but that's only because he did Training Day, and then the world was like, oh, Antoine Fuqua's really, really incredibly talented, and he's this impressive dramatic director. He's not. He's an action movie director. <laughs> but he's a great action movie director. He's a good he, action movie director. He's like, he is what we said. I wish that the world perceived him more like Tony Scott instead of Ridley Scott. Exactly. And if they did, the movies he does are sweet. Like, he, like... Street Kings, not good, very entertaining. Right. Shooter, not good, very entertaining. That movie's sweet. Equalizer, not good, very entertaining. Yeah. Tears of the Sun. I mean, these are movies, Olympus, like, these are movies where if he... If he had, like, I think it was your actual thesis statement, but if he'd never done Training Day, no one would be offended if you said that he wasn't a good director. Right. People would be like, oh, yeah, this guy, he, he makes super entertaining action movies. Right. I'll go see, I'll go see an Antoine Fuqua movie, as opposed to, like... Denzel won an Oscar, and Ethan Hawke got nominated for an Oscar, and that movie was like a dramatic masterpiece, and I always thought it was kind of a hacky movie. What was it, 2001? 2000? One, maybe. One or three. Okay, so it was so long ago, and they will still, that will always be the, the director of Training Day. Yeah. You know? Antoine Absolutely. Because he has nothing else to talk about. Even Southpaw. Like, it's like Southpaw. Uh, he's going to make a drama, and it's like, it's going to be good. And then it turned out it wasn't good. Why wasn't it good? Because it was directed by a guy who's a sweet action director, not a big yeah. drama director. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the world doesn't get it. So he was supposed to do it. Then the director of Charlie Countryman, whose name is missing. Escaping you. 
has escaped me. Uh, Donica, can you look up the the name of the director of Charlie Countryman? Yep. His name is. <coughs> maybe it'll come to me in the meantime. Charlie Countryman. Um, he wasn't a big action guy by any means, but he was signed under to this project Frederick because. Bond. Yes, Frederick Bond. So Frederick Bond replaced Fuqua because Fuqua didn't like the script. Mm-hmm. Um, Frederick Bond dropped out six weeks before production started. Yeah, I mean, I believe that more than him than me reading Scheduling Conflicts on Equalizer. Yeah, too, because I'm. I mean, I read both pieces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it, I would guess much, much more that it's he just didn't want to do the Definitely. script. So uh, yeah, so so Frederick Bond drops out of the project, and they have to get Babak Najafi, who. <laughs> I mean, his his biggest thing is the Swedish movie Seb, which was originally recognized as the best film at the Guldbag Awards, which is the official annual Swedish film awards. It's mm-hmm. like he essentially won like best picture at the Swedish Oscars. Yeah, um, which is you know he's not replacement level in his talent, but in terms of just, I mean, when you're putting a guy behind a movie as big as this with a sixty million dollar budget, it's not that surprising that this movie kind of missed on some levels. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's just I mean, this it movie really has no soul at all. Yeah, I mean, most of I don't know if it's if it, if I would necessarily blame the direction as much as I would blame the writing and editing, but someone there had to just like sit down and be like, okay, look, guys, I know we wanted to bring back this whole cast, but here's the thing: Robert Forster doesn't need to be in the movie. We didn't need Jack Earl Haley. This nope. entire like who is the subplot of who's the weasel situation don't need that story. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, you kind of Morgan Freeman like kind of needs to be in the movie because he's a name. But, like, he's the only one. Melissa Leo has, I think, two lines. She right, she's only brought back because she got her ass kicked so badly in the first one. I wanted her to have a bigger part. Me she too. Was she sweet was good in the first, in the first movie. one. Yeah. So it's one of those things <clears throat> where, like, this movie just feels, like, super clunky. doesn't make any sense. Like, most of, a lot of, like, the plot is just, like, not, is not explained. I mean, this is, like, the most ragtag production of writers, directors, even focus features, the studio. Like, it's just... Like what? Who are these people? And so you did you did more research than I did on the uh, on the producers. producers. Yeah, so it's funny. Gerard Butler, Mark Gill, Alan Siegel, Les Weldon, and Danny Lerner are the guys that are listed here. So we know about <clears throat> Butler. Um, Gill and Siegel were on Olympus, mm-hmm. and Les Weldon and Danny Lerner came on for this one. Now, just like all these movies, there's like twelve producers listed. These guys are the ones on the Wikipedia. They're just exclusively the producers, as opposed to like unit producer, supervising, regional. Um, but if you look, I mean, I went through. <laughs> all of their filmographies and read a bit about each one of them. Mm-hmm. What I found was basically this. Mark Gill did Law Abiding Citizen, The Iceman, which was that movie with uh, uh, Michael Shannon, Shannon yeah. which actually is pretty entertaining. It was actually pretty good. But still, very clearly like a straight-to-video movie. Yeah. Like, not like a quality, you know, classic. Yeah. Um, and then Olympus Has Fallen. Alan Siegel did the same three movies plus Machine Gun Preacher. <laughs> Uh, I was like, what's C above? Yeah. <laughs> Les Weldon worked on the Expendables franchise, so that's, uh, that's something. Money. Yeah. War Inc., which was that movie that was like... That was uh, Cusack? Cusack? Yeah. yeah. It kind of just looked like a hybrid of like Lord of War and Gross and, Point Blank. Yeah, and then like Bad Lieutenant. <laughs> yeah, it didn't really... I was, it was one of those things where like the trailer was coming out. I was like, this looks too familiar. I don't know what this is. And then Conan the Barbarian, the one with Jason Momoa from a few years ago. Right, that, and that's also what Danny Lerner worked yeah. on, the last guy. Yeah, Danny Lerner also worked on Conan the Barbarian. And then like 45 straight-to-video movies starring everyone. I started to click on them and be like... It's kind of like looking at Wesley Snipes' filmography. Right, right. They all kind of look like the same movie. One of them is starring, like, Antonio Banderas, and one of them is starring, like, uh, Snipes is probably at least in one of them, and, like, I, there was somebody else who was, like, scared me. But it was just one of those things, like, I've never heard of any of these movies. These all were straight-to-video, it, it, it literally like. says on the outline, all the straight-to-video to, to movies ever. There was, like, 50. Yeah, I was going to, he yeah. probably has, like, 50 credits, and they're all just... And it's not even, like, 06 forward. It's, like, back to, like, back to, like, 95. Back gangster. when, like, straight-to-video was actually just different than theaters. Right. Like, when it was, like... A, you, when straight-to-video was, like, an embarrassment. Yeah. If movies that were straight-to-video back in the 90s were, like, this wasn't good enough to cut it. Yeah. You didn't ever have an A-list star in a straight-to-video movie in the 90s. Bruce Willis was never going to do straight-to-video. Nowadays, stars do all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Um, and this guy was doing it all the way back to the beginning. So Danny Lerner. Lerner Airfield. Yeah. <laughs> Seems like this is just, like, <clears throat> one of those same situations we find where it's a big group of guys that often work together on a lot of projects. Mm-hmm. Um, Butler clearly is is tied in with all these guys because he's in a lot of the movies with these guys. And, you know, you have the writers on Expendable 3, Les Weldon produced the Expendables franchise. It just seems like there's a lot of people with aspirations to make fun movies with a lot of explosions. Like, like Gerard Butler. Yeah, these yeah. aren't people. It doesn't. It, from the movies that they're producing and making, these guys look like they're interested in making fun movies that make money. They're not interested in winning an Oscar. So, hey, more power to them, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Now, this is where we... <clears throat> Pardon me. We get into the money, the money and the critical, which mm-hmm. is 
it's kind of sad on both counts, to be honest with you. So the studio's focus features, they bought it out, or they got the rights to it towards the very end of uh, pre-production, I believe. Yep. Uh, the budget was $60 million, plus I believe an additional, like, almost 40 For marketing? In marketing. I could Crazy. be wrong on that number, but heavy, I saw it somewhere. Heavy marketing budget on this movie. Yeah, like I said. Everywhere. This was, this was in sports games. This was on network. This was Every billboards. Every billboard around L.A. This was yeah. YouTube. I mean... And it's still, they're still pushing it. Like, the gym this morning, watching the NCAA tournament games that were on, commercials, London has fallen. Like, big. So I'd believe that. I would believe that there's an additional almost $40 million. Uh, So it opened March 4th, obviously, just happened. Domestically, it has grossed $23 million, uh, and it's grossed $13 million worldwide for a total of 36 as of five days later. Yeah. Which is... It's fine. I mean, it'll it'll. It's interesting. Yeah, is it going to go up? Is it going to go down? Is it going to break even? It, Who knows? In three weeks, it'll make its money back. Um, but I don't know if there's a forty million dollar marketing budget. It's not going to make much after the first three weeks. Yeah. I mean, maybe video plays well. I just like I said, I, I don't think that there was an actual. I don't actually think anyone wanted a sequel to Olympus Has Fallen. I. Yeah. Like I was joking when I said that we, we they demanded it. Like there's a lot of action movies that that you feel like they should make sequels to. I mean. Okay, Reacher is one of the ones where I was like, I don't know why we get a sequel to Jack Reacher. Like, that movie's entertaining, but, like, I wasn't, like, I need to see more of this. That's exactly how I felt about Olympus. Yeah, but Reacher made a lot of money, so it's the same sort of situation. Movies like Equalizer, they released that movie as pretty much a... I don't know if it was in theaters, but it certainly wasn't promoted like it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, Most of its money was made in straight-to-video streaming. At which point it made enough money doing that that what's what's who's to think that it won't do the same thing? Right. I mean, these pretty much all these movies are are what we would call modern day cult classics. Yeah. You know, like John, John all Wick. those five guys that we just mentioned earlier. John Wick just happened to be awesome, and so did Taken. Yeah. As far as the, the movies we're talking about goes, like those are the two. Yeah. John Wick is actually the best movie in, in that whole list, I believe. Yeah, and Taken. I mean, the first Taken's great. Yeah. You know, I was actually listening to. Or, uh, My Kimmy turned seventeen this month. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I was watching uh, or, or reading the Hollywood Reporter's top 100 most popular movie quotes of all time list this last week. It's the quote, um, isn't it? They have the they have the taken quote uh, yeah. in the top 100, which I thought was really interesting. I think it was voted on by fans because there was some that were just like so obviously should have been in there, and then there were some that just like had no place. There was three Jerry Maguire quotes. Oh, excellent in, in the top 100. But I mean, there was also like three Casablanca quotes. Oh, I, I already know. Show me the money. Help me help you. And you have me at hello. Right? Uh, you had me at hello, show me the money. Maybe it was help me help you. It might have been a different one, actually. Interesting. Yeah. But, I mean, there was a lot of fun quotes. You should look it up. You make me want to be a better man from As Good As It Gets was in there. Yeah, that's a good one. The Taken quote. You had, like, um, the Star Wars quotes. It was, yeah, it's, it's a good list. On our Taken episode, I think we did that with Kathy Kelly. I yeah, can't remember. we did. Who yep. um, we haven't had on in a long time. Yeah. Uh, we, I believe we even talked about it on that episode. Like, if you hadn't seen this movie, you still knew the speech. Yeah. It was that that iconic. Very iconic, yeah. So, I mean, of all the things on all these movies we just mentioned, that's definitely the thing that stands out the most. So, in that sense, True. that's the movie that is the most important of those five. But I think Wick is better just because it's sort of more... Eh, no, actually, I mean, Taken's the one. Wick is more awesome, but Taken's the movie. Right. Taken's, like, a classic and was, like, a really... We made three of them already. And Taken was a phenomenon, too, because they spent such a small amount of money and it made so much. Um, yeah, and it, it did okay critically, which this movie... Did not. So it's got a 6.4 on IMDb, which is, I think, one or point one below Olympus Has Fallen. Which is super funny to me that this would get a 6.4 on IMDb. Like, I want to see a 4.3 movie. I want to know what movie that is. Yeah, they, you know? sixes are pretty common. Yeah. Yeah, but that's true. They don't drop that low. Uh, and then so on Rotten Tomatoes, we have, this is like, this is what we always talk about, man. All critics, 26%. Top critics, four, 14%. With Amazing. over 30 reviews. And the audience score is sixty three percent, because why not? We we just we know exactly what we're getting when we go to see this movie. Absolutely, I mean this is this is our bread and butter, right? It's like sixty three. You always want the third column to be the biggest, and mm-hmm. the fact that the third column on this one literally quadruples, quadruples the top critics rating, <laughs> it's just incredible. <laughs> like, it does. It actually does. Fourteen percent. That's brutal. Yeah. That's, one, that's the lowest one we've had on this show by it's, far. You think so? I, I definitely think so. There was one other oh, movie. Oh, maybe Demolition Man. No. No, there was one other movie I think that we did that had like an appallingly low, maybe Mortal Kombat. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, Mortal fair. Kombat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, and then also oh, Peter Travers from Rolling Stones says, "Oh, uh, I like this one. This is this is my favorite." Director Babak Najafi, who not surprisingly staged something called Easy Money Two, <laughs> botches the action sequences so crudely, consistently, and cynically that he makes Michael Bay look like Kurosawa. Michael Bay does look like Kurosawa often, <laughs> so I don't think that's a fair label, but. Uh, yes, that's a great that's a great review. It's very funny. It's brutal. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if we, would it be fun for us to start writing the, uh, the our AMA own review, the AMA the AMA tagline review as part of this segment and adding it. I think so. What do you guys think? Yeah. Tell us. I mean, it's kind of like action movie tagline. We would have to like put some thought into it and make them coherent. Right. But I mean, it might be kind of fun. Like a legit one. Yeah, like a legit one. Okay. Like, I mean, that Travers thing is really funny, and we would crack ourselves up if we had written that. Yeah. But I could also see us writing that. So. Very intelligent and funny. Yeah, and correct. Yeah. Um, so, uh, ultimate action scene. I, I think just queue up. We have this B-roll thing. We can just kind of play this in the background. This is just something we found that is the – it's just essentially behind-the-scenes footage of them filming this. Um, a lot more real things on screen here than I expected. Uh, I thought just a lot more green screen and explosions. But, uh, you know, it has some real things. I love that Jackie Earl Haley was in this. Like, that had to have been announced on Deadline. Like, somebody yeah. was like, Jackie Earl Haley joins cast of Olympus's, of Olympus's Fallen sequel, London Has Fallen. And it's like, I think he has, like, two lines. Yeah, he li- yeah, literally. And I can't understand why he would do it. Yeah, I mean, I guess, like... He's not working a lot. I guess it's one of these things where... If they're making a sequel and the first movie had made a lot of money and they called your agent and they said, look... We want to pay you to come back and, and film for one day so you have, you know, two scenes to shoot. Right. And, and it's going to be a big movie. Why wouldn't you do it? Like, totally. Why it's, wouldn't you do it? Of course you would do it. And you're from Jackie O'Haley. It's like, hey, we need to cast this part. Like, hey, who do we know? It's like, all right, Jackie, we know Jackie. Like, he's good. He'll, he'll be able to handle this. Like, let's put him in the movie. X like, amount of dollars, one take each. See you later. Yeah, it comes in. He, he has two, two scenes, you know, films for a day. He's done. Like, I get it. It's just one of those things where, like, it's like this movie thought that it was supposed to be like Olympus, but then the bigger, better, more impressive version. Right. And it's like it didn't get the memo that they were making it for $10 million less. And, like, it wasn't going to be. Nobody cared. Nobody Like, that's the thing that I just found so surprising about this movie is if this had been a straight-to-video sequel, we would have still done it on the show. Right. It still would have been fun to do. They just didn't need to spend as much money. Like, the $40 million just didn't need to happen. Yeah. What, what, are you showing us the only thing that's real because it's just the actors because everything else is fake? Yeah, there, there's, there's some scenes of, like, some trucks blowing up and some things burning. <laughs> right. Uh, Gerard Butler doing, like, uh, uh, facial massaging techniques to the left side of his face to try to, to try to get it to cooperate when he talks. What is your favorite um, action scene in this movie? Do you have one? I mean, I think it's got to be the, the initial attack. Just yeah. because, like, there's, like, some sweet... The second time that Banning is like, RPG! Yeah. RPG! Um, I, I like I mean, I liked that sequence. Like, that, that sequence was pretty entertaining. Yeah, it was pretty sweet. Yeah, I mean, um, of course, like, Banning is just like a superhero. He just, like, shoots at people and never gets hit. Never gets hit. One shots everyone. And never misses. Never, never gets shot. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess that would have to be the scene, like, because there's, like I said, my favorite, my, my fist bump moment was the gunshot to the helmet. Right. And that's during that scene. The I mean, car chase is pretty sweet, but yeah, I agree. I, I, I do think it is just the initial assault. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, here you go, some explosions. Okay. Look at that. It's like really stuff really exploding. Oh, that's the last scene. <laughs> Movie's over. That's pretty gnarly. Yeah, I know. It looks super real. The funny thing is, like, it's this was the most tertiary throwaway part of the whole movie. This part bothered me. That his thing was so big, and there's yeah. so many people watching. It would it would have been so obvious. But whatever. It's London has fallen. Yeah, <laughs> they didn't need to explain anything. <laughs> no, you, no, you don't have to legitimize. That's one thing that's cool about movies like this. Yeah, is you never have to legitimize anything. Face Off is just is <clears throat> is like the, the is the entirety of the Shield lost except in an action movie. Right. It has no explanations for anything. Face Off makes the least sense of any movie we've ever done. Yeah, I, was, I loved how his face is just fixed at the end. <laughs> yeah, they don't completely ever acknowledge it. Completely, even though the world's leading scientist has yeah. died. <laughs> yeah. We'll All, fix right. You. All right, that's that's enough of that up there. Yeah, well, we can just run in the background, but <laughs> yeah. uh, let's uh, let's get into favorite lines. Let's talk about uh, favorite lines in the movie. So I I said the one earlier that I I thought was sweet, which is when they've just gotten into the KGB headquarters with Jacqueline. Right. She's the it's KGB no not MI6 not KGB. Um, she's the MI6's best. Don't fuck with her. That's yeah. like that's literally like all you get because she's a pretty much an irrelevant character after that. It, yeah, does nothing in the whole movie. <clears throat> Why is she even in this movie? It's so weird. Yeah, and so then Ed Banning's like, I don't know about you, but I'm thirsty as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> 
Why are you? Why'd you say that? Who wrote that in? And then he proceeds to chug a whole glass of water yeah. to show you that he was actually thirsty. I think, and that part of it I liked because they were playing. They were playing up the whole like banning is, is just a crude and ridiculous exactly, thing. Exactly, a yeah. lot more. You know, and he had like he said like this funny scene. Michael, if you don't come back, you're fucked. Like that stuff was funny. He has so much more of a, I guess, a personality in this movie than he does in the first one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. First they were, was just like a killer. Yeah, they, and they, he had some funny lines, but they, they definitely played it up in the yeah. writing, no question. But my other favorite line, and this is sort of a fist bump moment too, is the end of the movie, spoiler alert, is like this character Jackie and this guy John Lancaster who's like – Oh, yeah. He's like the shit weasel. He's the guy who's double-crossed. You know he's the shit weasel, but he's so irrelevant. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Like some, somehow someone got in and like authorized some cameras or something and like who did it? And you kind of know that it's him. Yeah. Everybody's blind to it. And at the end, he's, like, in the parking garage, and he's, like, packing up his bag to make his getaway. And Jackie has figured out that it's him. And she's, like, walking up to him, and he's, like, hey, Jackie. And she's, like, why'd you do it, John? And he's, like, he's like I don't know what you're talking about. And she's, like, don't do it, John. Yeah. And he's, like, he's like walking. He's, like, yeah, he's it's slowly. Like the, the thing's, like, ten feet yeah. away, and he's slowly. He's, just, like, slowly backing up. She's, like, don't do it, John. And he's, like, and he's like what, are you, what are you talking about? She's, like, get on the fucking ground, John. And she says, like, six times, and then shoots him. Pops him right in the head. And, like, you're just, like. This was such a dramatic scene, right? And it didn't matter at all. Like this story didn't matter. No one cares about the two of you, either character. No. This. Why'd you guys leave it in the movie? It seems like you cut everything else out that would have made it relevant. (laughs) But her delivery of "Get on the fucking ground, John" John, was so convincing. Yeah. It might have been both my fist pump moment and favorite line. (laughs) I think you just have a crush on her. I like her. (laughs) I like the accent. Uh, My favorite line is uh, they're running at the very beginning. Oh yeah, they're on their run, and then Banning starts to run backwards, and Eckhart's like, "God, what are you made out of?" He's like, "Bourbon and bad decisions." <laughs> Let's go and to the can, bar. They bring it back in later yeah. at the very end, like when the, when they're all like yeah. broken and battered, and he's like, "Bourbon and bad decisions, huh?" Yeah, that's it. It's bad, really bad, but I loved it. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. It was, they they got it. They poked fun at themselves, which is which is awesome. And it's probably just real. That's probably just that wasn't even a lot. It was improv. Yeah, he's talented. He's, he's just telling the truth. He's UCB. He is. He is UCB. <laughs> New Star Wars movie. Yeah. So uh, <clears throat> all right. So uh, let's get into Hero Villain Rank. Let's do it. We got our graphics here. Yeah. Uh, yours and. Yours is a little higher than mine, isn't it? Yeah, I like this banning. Yeah. Even though he was puffy-faced and a little older-looking, I, I was a fan. I, I liked this banning. Um, yeah, I mean, it was tough for me because, as you can see, you know, he's, he's a couple spots ahead of Olympus's Fallen Mike banning. Right. And most specifically, he gets ahead of one of the Ethan Hunts. Yeah, that's he a big one. He beats out MI5 Ethan Hunt. Um, not as good as Ghost Protocol Ethan Hunt. Ethan Hunt from MI5 hangs off of a plane. I love MI5 Ethan Hunt. Like I'm a big yeah. fan, but Ghost Protocol Ethan Hunt is cooler because he yeah, has the, Dubai. the he has the Dubai building climbing scene, yeah. which is just like such a sweet scene. What about holding his breath for six minutes, man? I've totally forgot about that. Oh yeah, God, that was hundred percent forgot. They're like, you don't need to do that, Tom. It's not necessary. He's like, but it'll help the film. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just want to do that movie. How have, have we not watched that a second time? That movie was great. Yeah, I've only seen it once. Yeah, that movie was awesome. Actually, maybe MI5 is sweeter because he does all the motorcycle driving too. Like yeah. going around the corner and like the s- car, the Beamer. Dinging his knee and all that. I like that. We're just like, you're like, oh shit. Yeah. Well, I don't know. We can always, you know, we'll, we'll do an adjustment. We'll do it. Him. Yeah. All right. So I have him at 26, which is right behind John Wick. Yeah. So I guess that's. I guess that answers my question from earlier. John Wick is number one. Banning yeah. is number two. Yeah. And then, uh, and then he's right in front of Olympus's fallen banning. Because do my eyes deceive me? Do you have Brian Mills from Taken ahead of both? Do I? Yeah. You have Brian Mills from Taken ahead right. of both. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it! I'm just totally shoot myself in the foot here. Hey, man, it is what it is. It's on paper. <laughs> it is what it is. It is what it is. Uh, and then so we can move on to our movie ranking. Yeah, now this is one where we differed significantly. Yes, it was... I'm at 31. You're at last? Four, or second to last? Second to last. Mortal is Kombat 43. is Mortal Kombat is a worse movie than this. But this is not as good as Demolition Man. <laughs> this, is, this is not as good as Independence Day. This is not as good as Jurassic World, Born Legacy. The movies that I have this in front of, it's appalling. <laughs> it's you have a- this in front of Tombstone, for God's sake. Yep, and Lethal Weapon. <laughs> Andrew's not a big fan of Tombstone. That was like one of those. That was one of those ones. No, where... I did like it, but it's just not the same type of movie for me. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Uh, but yeah, Lethal Weapon, Furious Seven. Uh, anyway, Born Legacy. Yeah. We don't have to. We don't have to focus on this, guys. <laughs> Better than Taken. But serious. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. 
there was just something about. I think it's because of how much I enjoyed this movie with how bad it was. Yeah, yeah. Let me I get know that. How good it was. Look, Con Air is not a good movie, but we both have it significantly higher. We yeah, love Con Air. Exactly. And that's what I was thinking. Is that this movie, as like sort of trashy and hilarious as it was, it's kind of like the classics that we. Movies that, because when we were kids and those movies came out, we had no frame of reference for whether no. or not they were actually good. We just like saw them and thought they were sweet. When we got older, we learned to love them because they had been part of our childhood. Right, it was more nostalgic than anything. But people who were in their 20s and 30s when they came out were like, this movie's terrible. I'm this is sure. a trashy piece of shit. Yeah. I mean, so this movie, to a nine year old, they might think it's awesome and. 15 years from now, we might be looking at the new Ben and Andrew talking right. about how much of a classic right. London and Leonard has fallen is like fourth. <laughs> yeah, who knows? You know what I mean? So I, I don't think we can... That's uh, a good point. I like that. Yeah, it's not that easy. Um, so I like that you still have the childlike, the childlike love of it when I you really watched it. I really do, yeah. man. It really... I felt like a kid watching it because it was so dumb and there was no reason for me to love it as much as I did. All right, so <clears> let's <throat> move on to recast. This is a fun one this week, guys. We decided to get kind of creative. It's, na- it's, it's uh, National Women's Month. Women's, Women's Month. Women's History Month. Women's History Month. Yes. And uh, we've decided that the recasting of the five roles, so Gerard Butler, Aaron Eckert, Morgan Freeman, Angela Bassett, and Barkawi, whose first name is not written here that I'm forgetting. Amafi, I think? Yeah, that sounds yeah. right. Um, we decided to recast them with women. Um, any woman from any time. Yeah. I, I stuck largely with, with current women. <laughs> Um, but uh, can be actors, I think anybody I did too, yeah. can be anyone, and uh, that's what we decided to do. So let's start with uh, with Barkawi, and we actually we got a little help from a fan because last week we asked about recast, and they did uh, suggest a gender bender yeah. um, recast. Obviously, this is kind of a joke, yeah, uh, on our ends. But yeah, so we'll start with Barkawi. Um, I did a Miss Monica Bellucci from. <laughs> From Spectre, <laughs> from which when she was like weird, she and looked weird and old and like just kind of creepy, dark, and the big lips and yeah. like the red lipstick. Like when they when they like start making her out, making out and messing around, I'm like, come on, Bond, yeah, dude, you yeah. can do better. Come on, man, that's like the only time you've ever said that about Bond needing to do better. What are you wasted? You have too much <laughs> scotch or something? I don't get it. It's a banning moment. Yeah, it's a banning moment. <laughs> it's a bummer moment. <laughs> Now when we get wasted drinking scotch, we do something stupid. We just got a banning moment. It's a banning moment? Yeah. Yeah. I also think we'll, we'll probably, from now on, when we get wasted, we're going to start doing the banning voice more oh, often. Definitely. Banning is like, I think he might have replaced, he might become, become the third. So Cruz, Cage, Banning. <laughs> the Banning is the yeah. third voice we do now. It could be. Okay. I'm into it. Uh, uh, all right. Who so do you have? I went with Talisa Soto, which is uh, Princess Katana from Mortal Kombat. For the bad guy? Yeah. Oh, I love it. <laughs> and I'm going with her now, the way she looks now, because she's still beautiful and cunning. Right. And she looks, she's got kind of an, an ethnically ambiguous look. Princess Katana. Yeah. <laughs> Princess Katana! You disappoint me. Disappoint me. me. But the thing is, why did he, why did she disappoint him? What did, what did he expect? She was going to kill Luke Kang? She wanted him to kill Luke Kang. They weren't even really fighting. I know, they were like dancing. Yeah, I didn't even know, why was it her? I, I didn't think she was fighting in the tournament. We did Mortal Kombat on the show. <laughs> Not a lot of people watch that episode. <laughs> you Ooh. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. I love my, my Angela Bassett recast. Who do you have? I went with a Miss Kate Blanchett. Kate Blanchett. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I just was thinking about how awesome Angela Bassett is, and I was like, I want someone with real dramatic chops. Right. So I decided Angela Bassett is perfect for I mean, I could have just used Angela Bassett. Oh, easy. I didn't yeah. need to recast yeah. Angela Bassett. I know. That's why I was like, do I even put her on the list? I was like, yes, because yeah. I cast Oprah. You used Oprah for Angela Bassett? I used Oprah for Angela Bassett. I used Oprah for Aaron Eckert. I used him for the president. <laughs> no way. Yeah. You used Oprah for the president. I did. That's I, amazing. I thought that it would be great to have Oprah as the president because, like, he's kind of... Okay, no disrespect to Oprah here. Like, Aaron Eckert doesn't do much. He sort of stands back as a little bit of a sissy. Right. And, and he, we know that he's in great shape, but he doesn't really do much. He's kind of comic relief, and he, he has the one scene talking about raising his son. Right, that's and actually he, heartfelt. He's got a, he's got a good character, so I'm like Oprah could do this scene. Like she yeah. could she could hang back and She's be protected. She's an Academy Award winner. Yeah, she could hang back. She could be protected. Like she could get her hands dirty if she needed to. Right. She could shoot. She could beat someone up. I wouldn't be that surprised to see it. Well, since you did your present, I'm gonna do mine. Okay. Ellen DeGeneres. <laughs> <laughs> I love Ellen. Dude, I would vote for Ellen now for president. I'm surprised she's not running. I think she would win. <laughs> and and for all the same reasons that you said, and those blue eyes. Love Ellen Jerry. Big fan. Uh, I, we skipped Freeman. Who do you have for Freeman? Three guesses. I don't know. I put Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> Who would I have? Middle-aged woman. Middle- oh! Diane Lane. Diane Lane. Diane Lane. Just she's so a dime. You can watch her do anything. <laughs> Love Diane Lane. I told you, I saw her at the SAG Awards, and I was interviewing someone when she walked by, 
you dropped the mic and left the interview. I was so disappointed. Like, I was finishing my interview, and I almost wanted to just be like, excuse me, sir, can you stop talking? Diane! Excuse me, President Obama, can you stop talking? I need... <laughs> she was like, she was, it's like Ben Kingsley or someone like that. Right, she was yeah. like gone by the time I was done interviewing. I was so, I was so bummed. I was like, I mean... <laughs> Not that I was like bummed to be interviewing Ben Kingsley, but I was just like, right. I, I, you love her. I love Diane Lane. Like, you have always loved her. Love her. Like I just wanted to ask her one question someday. Well, she's and she's like, what my, would you? What was? What is the one question you would ask Diane Lane? I don't know. Will you marry Will me? You marry yeah. me? Yeah. yeah, exactly. We all knew what it was. I don't know what I would <laughs> ask her. I mean, also because like another of the times that I was let down, I was I was trying to get on the press junket for Trumbo, and I, did, I didn't end up getting oh, on the junket last minute, and she was in that. Oh. And I was another situation where I was like, I'm going to get to meet Diane Lane. I like how my head goes to yeah. Cranston. <laughs> it's twice now. It's twice now. She's my great white buffalo. She is. She's a great white buffalo. All right, so who'd you go with for your, for your uh, Gerard? Your Gerard Butler. I went with Ronda Rousey. Okay, you went with Ronda. I yeah, like that. it's kind of cheap. He's easy. They have the same dialect. Yeah, and, <laughs> and Rousey's great because now she's been beaten. She's, like, more battled. Mm-hmm. She's, like, mm-hmm. she's, not as, she's not as much of just, like, a, the toughest person in the world anymore. She's right. more like... Yeah, I'm not the toughest person, but I'm really fucking tough. I'll, I'll battle. I'll and I'll, fight. Yeah. Like, she, I feels like she could protect the president. Yeah. I decided to go also with an athlete. Okay. Um, I went kind of crazy with mine. I went with Maria Sharapova. Miss Performance Enhancing Drugs? Yes. <laughs> I like Sharapova, so I think she'd cut her hair. I think she's, it wouldn't be, she wouldn't be uh, aerodynamic. I Anna Kornikova from the <laughs> 90s. So Kornikova wouldn't, she wouldn't be aerodynamic fighting because, right. you know, she's, she, so she's banning. So she calls, she goes short hair. Right, and she wears like the pantsuit. Right. She goes like full on, like I'm going to be as efficient <clears throat> as possible. But she's got such a strong set of arms. She's so strong, <laughs> and she's willing to take PEDs. So I think she could do a really good job of protecting Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> you win. That's an just, amazing. Just sentence. that sentence was the yeah. best thing about this whole show. Uh, all right, I don't even care about the recast. That was just that you win. That was beautiful. Hashtag Master Recaster on Twitter if you want to let us know who won. <laughs> Um, Sharapova. Kate, Kate. Tag Sharapova to tweet. <laughs> Sharapova has a massive arm. She could protect <laughs> Oprah Winfrey. Um, all right, so Cage versus Cruz. Uh, let's skip it this week. We've done a lot of banning today. Yeah, I've done a lot of banning. Yeah, I don't think we need to. I mean... All right, let's do one. I think I think that uh, Cage, 90s Cage, would have been great in this role. I'm fucking thirsty. Oh, you're going Cruz. <laughs> you're going Cruz. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Uh, yeah, it's like, what if Cage was just like, but Mike, what happens if you leave and you'll come back? You're fucked. <laughs> You're fucked. <laughs> You're fucked. Bourbon. Bad decisions. <laughs> Let's go find some rockets. <laughs> I don't know why we ever talk about skipping that segment. Yeah, it's always it's wonderful. It's always funny. Yeah. It's always a good time. Um, all right, there are three action movie categories, guys. They're totally ridiculous, totally legitimate, ridiculously legitimate. They're what they sound like. The first one is basically movies like The Fugitive, Terminator 2, movies that just stand the test of time as real classics. They could be on top 100 lists for their dramatic quality. Mm-hmm. There are movies that are totally ridiculous that fall off a cliff. They're just absurd. They're impossible to take seriously. Con Air, Face Off. Uh, they're just really silly. And then there are movies that are ridiculously legitimate or legitimately ridiculous. And those movies are like Point Break, The Rock, um, movies like Predator, <clears throat> where they are they, – they hold together well dramatically. They, they're, they're well acted in a lot of cases, but they are a little silly. Like they make you laugh right. unintentionally at times that you shouldn't. But you, when you think about them, you're like, that movie is so sweet. And you feel kind of affected emotionally when you watch them. Yeah. Um, this, I don't think it's really a question in this one. Totally ridiculous. It's totally ridiculous. Yeah. Even though it's so self-aware and you laugh when they want you to laugh, you also laugh when you're just like, look at how dumb this is. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so I think that's a pretty easy one. Yeah, um, easy. We, we, I guess we that. have like one more thing left on the show, and that's called The, the Pitch! Bow! Um, so next week's movie is decided, unfortunately, guys. We voted last unfortunately, week. Unfortunately, thank God. <laughs> thank God it finally won. We're doing Under Siege. It's been voted on like four times. And uh, I guess we'll give you guys the slate for the next two. There is yeah. an emergency. There's there's like an emergency setting to abandon the edge if something happens. If, if we need to reco- like replace like it with something. Like if Ben died. Is it, because he will make sure that movie happens. so much. But if, if we have to do another movie because there's something coming out or we forget about something, we will eventually do the edge. But next week's movie is Under Siege. And Under Siege is just a classic. I mean, we've, we've talked about it three times. So many times. times. Yeah. I mean, Steven Seagal, Gary Busey, Tommy Lee Jones. You don't really need to say much you else. Nothing. He's a On cook. On a boat. It's yeah. classic. Put him in a, be- in a place and make him get out of it. Yeah. It's a couple, it's a couple <laughs> years after uh, uh, Die Hard, but it's like still in the same wheelhouse. Yeah. It's like Seagal had, Seagal did one movie his entire career that could be looked at as like kind of a classic and kind of a hit, and it's Under Siege. 
Oh, yeah. Like, I don't think he... I thought any, you were going to say a different movie, and I was already like, what? I don't think there's a movie that Seagal ever did other than just this one movie that would even be looked at as, like, kind of a classic. Like, they're all, like... There's one of them with Kill in the title. Hard to like, Kill? Hard to Kill. On Deadly Ground? I mean, like, he, he did a bunch of sweet movies. <laughs> names. But, like, even Under Siege 2. Like, oh, Under Siege bad. 1 is, is sweet. Yeah. Like, I'll give you that. It's a good movie. Yeah. So, Under Siege 1 is next week. We also um, have a couple guests. Yeah, we've got Kavino <clears throat> and Rich from the uh, the Serious Show. They have, they have a weekly Serious Show they do, and they also have a Popcorn Talk show they're doing here. Uh, what is the name of the show? Thursday Night Live. Thursday Night Live, which is on Thursday Nights Live. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. It's not, more, it's not really a movie show. It's like a... It's just a... Guy Hangout Thing of the Week show. But they do talk about the box office and they talk about the upcoming releases. But if you like Ben and Andrew, I think you guys are going to... I watched yeah. an episode of Cavino and Rich and I was dying laughing because, A, I was like, how is there two people that have comedy as similar to ours? Right. And then, B, I was like, I was like, I don't know the inside jokes, but I'm laughing. And if, if our show is anywhere near as good as this, if people laugh at our jokes when they don't know the inside jokes, then we're doing something right. Absolutely. these guys are doing it right. Yeah, no, they're very funny. Uh, I'm excited to have them on the show. And, like, it's like the man show for popcorn talk. How badass is that? It's going to be fun. It's Thursday really Night fun. Live. Check it out. Yeah. So uh, they will be on the show next week doing uh, Under Siege with us. Uh, so, guys, come back and check that out. If you guys want to find us in the meantime, you can follow us at AMA Podcast. You can follow Andrew and myself. Uh, you can follow me at Andrew Guy on Twitter. At Ben Bateman Media. And, uh, of course, one more time, find us, rate us, review on iTunes. It helps us stay high in the standings. We will see you guys, same time, same place, next week. From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only, not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.